0: Staying back the
1: the the Hey everybody, welcome to episode 168 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitchell and I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? We also have Mark Rubin down in San Jose, California. Hello. Alrighty then. So let's just dive in. We got some Ask MTJC. So you got one here from our friend of the show, Joe... So wait, he told us how to pronounce his name. Joe Chaplinsky. What do you got there, Jaime?
2: So this is follow-up. As far as I can tell, it's not specifically uh, marked as hash, hashtag Ask MTJC see, but I think this is to an episode or two ago when we said, oh, I wonder if people who are plus users, if they actually use their phone in landscape. Um, I do not, and Tim, you do. You use it a lot, and hardly ever. Uh, Joe weighs in on his side, and we'd ask people to to respond to us and say, hey, uh, let us know. Let's do an informal survey here. Uh, Here He says, uh, plus user here, never use landscape, hate split, which portrait lock would make an exception just for videos, which I think I would agree with too, because I I never really use landscape except for the uh, the video form factor. Yeah,
1: I gotta say, like, and this is probably going to be a, a bit of an iOS ten or iOS eleven rant throughout the whole show because it continues to be really buggy with rotation and things like that. And, and of course, I notice it because I use it in landscape all the time. But things like when I want to watch a video and I start playing it like in YouTube app or something like that, and I rotate, and it takes a minute, kind of does a half size and then a full size, and it's really laggy and and slow. But um, Joe's comment, actually, I think, is related to the fact that I said on. The iPhone 10 that there is no split view. I was surprised, mildly surprised, when uh, I initially launched up the simulator with my app device tracker, which has the split view uh, controller in it that only does split view on the on the plus size phones, right? So it does it does split view on the iPad clearly, but not um, on the on the phones. It's normally portrait, but if you rotate a, a, a plus size phone, a six plus, seven plus, eight plus, you get the split view view like you do with the mail as well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what that's related to but um, and I have to say well I, I don't know maybe it's my advancing age or whatever I just like I, my favorite size form factor has always been the iPad mini and I find that the six those uh, three the plus sizes uh, are sort of like a, a compromised mini width right because they're almost as wide as a, as a mini is when you're in landscape mode and um, sometimes I just want to see more of the web content I want to see a larger uh, font size I may want to see maybe a sort of a rendering of, of the web page in not a responsive mobile size but maybe in a sort of tablet size or even full-size uh, web experience kind of thing. A um, number of reasons why I turn my, my phone sideways to check out content online, but a lot of times it's to make the font go bigger, to be honest with you. So that's why I use it. And of course, when I was, uh, I, I think I read a post by Ryan Nystrom back in uh, the early iPhone 6 era, um, where he had sort of pointed out that if you use the stock out-of-the-box split view controller template or the master detailed template, you got the split view controller with the uh, plus style uh, split view for, for nothing, right? So um, that's one of the reasons why I went back and, and explored that because I, I do like that sort of... Uh, I like to read my mail that way sometimes, you know. Um, like if I'm on the streetcar or whatever, I'll read the mail in, in portrait mode because you're kind of one-handing it as it is, right? But if I've got the time to turn my phone sideways, you know, you can scroll through uh, the list on the left-hand side and, and read the sort of preview on the right-hand side, right? That's mm. kind of why. Yeah, do you ever so... use
0: mode to make the fonts bigger? Sorry?
1: Do you ever use the zoom mode yeah in fact I've, I've gotten into dynamic type now too like i i switched over to the larger type sizes i don't like wearing my glasses when i'm at home so uh, and you know because i'm over 45 i have to have reading glasses as most people over 45 do um and so uh i've started using dynamic type and i've started making my font bigger so it's funny when i see somebody else's phone and i look at their their notification screen on their on their their uh lock screen that the type is smaller and harder to read and, yet, and here i am with my you know with my shawl and my Cane and my larger type, right? But <laughs> that your
0: question mark. Uh, I was talking about the, the, the you can. There's a way to zoom the screen. Yeah, triple
1: triple finger tap on the screen to make it zoom. Like the accessibility mode. You mean? No, no, no. I mean,
0: there's natural zoom display mode where your. phone... Oh no,
1: no, no. I, I still good. have I still have mine in the in the standard uh, okay. plus yeah. size with the with the smaller icons. Smaller icons, bigger type though. Uh, the other thing I've, I've done lately too. We do a lot of testing at work, so a lot of my phones have VoiceOver turned on, and I find with the and this may change with the iPhone. 10 with the swiping this and stuff like that. But, you know, when you when you triple tap or if I double tap, you know, maybe a little too exuberantly and it reads it as three taps, voiceover would kick on. I've recently discovered that if you turn on um, magnify and voiceover that you, instead of going right to voiceover right away, it opens a little action sheet along the bottom that says accessibility shortcuts and it gets you to choose voiceover and magnifier, right? And so if you chose, if, if you entered into voiceover mode by accident, you can just hit cancel and it makes it go away. So it's kind of a handy thing if you if you have to have voiceover on. I mean, I do use voiceover as well when I'm walking down the street and I you know and I have to pay attention to what I'm doing. I'll I'll, I'll get the voiceover to read this web page to me or whatever while I'm paying attention to what's going on around me. Uh, but also, I, I use the magnifier as well. Like I'm looking for a serial number on the back of a a MacBook Pro or an iPad, you know, where they're printed really small. So I use the magnifier to get a, a quicker view of of that as well. So this is a handy little tip for people if they want to check out the accessibility shortcuts. Pick a couple of them and then you don't accidentally enter in voice, voiceover by mistake. Lots of handy tips for this kind of stuff. How to use a plus device. Anything else on Joe's uh, follow up there, Jaime?
2: No, that, that was uh, the one that we got specifically on that topic. So right now, uh, two thirds of all people that we have talked to agree that uh, never use landscape. Two thirds? <laughs> Well, you, me, and Joe,
1: and Joe. Okay, right. Of all the of all the people we survey, well, the people we survey because sixty six percent are against landscape mode. Right.
2: I don't think we heard from Mark because I don't think Mark has a plus. I, I think this is that. another uh, another like generally either.
1: another Twitter poll in the making here. We'll we'll throw one up after the show
2: and see what people have to say about that. Right. Yeah, we'll have to discuss the the, the phrasing though, because otherwise it'll be like, oh, do you believe in actually being able to read your content and view stuff? People, like, oh, yeah, sure, I yeah, do. maybe That's maybe, maybe I'll message. It over to uh, to uh, greg before uh, before we get in there right yeah so. we have him as a a neutral third party <laughs>
1: No, he's he's our he's our, our, our building critic. It seems these days. Um, so the next follow up comes from uh, J Trip on Twitter, um, who's known by J Trip. Um, he uh, was listening to episode one sixty seven where I, I was talking in the after show about PGP. Uh, I'll have a bit of follow up on that as well. Um, and he asked, I might be interested in Keybase IO. And to be honest with you, I haven't really looked at Keybase IO just till just this moment. Uh, what is this? And oh, it's end to end encryption for all devices. Oh, Interesting. Neat. Hmm. You have to take another look at that one. Have you looked at this uh, key base IO at all? Anybody? No, nope. I so haven't, much. but I
2: have seen tweets related to, I guess you probably have to tweet something to prove that you are who you say you are or someone. Oh,
1: right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's Similar to that blockchain identity verification thing I was talking about. Um, not blockchain; it's block 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 stack. It's called yeah, um, which is a thing—a site where uh, you can go in and put in your PGP key. That's why I was actually asking about that was to sort of get my key in there to verify who I am, who I say I am. Um, we have another one from uh, this is another ask MTJC. Well, it's another Twitter follow up, which I you know called over to ask MTJC, and uh, again, Adam, Alan Edmonds talks about the uh, I, episode one sixty seven, the iOS eleven. Cal- Bug doesn't seem to affect affect his wife's 5s, which I find interesting. But so it could be maybe it's. Um, I'm just trying to think what I was going to look up and see what the um, processor was on the 5s. Does anybody know offhand? No, anybody? I don't you recall. Computer? I don't remember That's an old one. Yeah. So um, yeah, he said he tried it on his wife' machine running also running uh, 11.0.3 um, and couldn't uh, couldn't reproduce it. So um, I mean, you'll be pleased to know that it took a uh, 10 minutes out of my day today to go down to the QA department. And Show them the uh, the calculator bug. They were they were delighted as you as you suspected they would be.
2: Oh yeah, like uh, QA <laughs> folks love that sort of stuff. It just you know brings a little sparkle to their day.
1: Yeah, especially if the big boys make big bo- big boo boos and you know, like the apples and the googles of the world, right? So makes us all seem human after all. Um, but I was saying that uh, I, again. Alan was kind of wondering if it has something to do with the processor or the speed of it or whatever. Um, I I also have a problem with this, you know the Siri suggested apps that you get on on when you when you go over to search for something and you do a swipe down in the middle of the springboard and brings up this uh, search sort of Sherlock search thing. And you get across the top, you get eight um, applications that are suggested from basically like they're, they're, it's like recently used applications kind of thing. Uh, very often what will happen there. And I've, I've actually made a video of it this afternoon, but is those eight won't be the actual last eight that you use. It's kind of a lazy loading thing, I guess that they do. And um, so very often I'll see like the second from the left and I'll think, Oh, that's the one I want. I'll go to tap on it as my fingers coming down the, anim- the the row updates to what should have been the actual eight applications they show there. And I end up often opening the wrong application. And that's, again, another display laggy uh, update sort of thing, right?
0: I get that on my iPhone when I'm quickly deleting a lot of emails. Uh, it seems like inevitably when I'm if I'm doing it fast, then one will kind of pop in just as I'm. Right, it.
1: exactly. And, yeah. And I'll, I'll
0: delete it something I didn't
1: mean to delete. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thankfully, we have a second chance to go back and check it out, pull it out of the trash. I, I've done that a lot too, even on my Mac as well, right? Yeah, it's just, um, I guess, well, nothing's ever fast enough, right? What does uh, Carrie Fisher say? Instant gratification isn't fast enough. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so it'd be interesting to see. My, my one theory about the 5S may be that, I, I wonder if it's because it's using a, a slower processor. Let's take a quick look at the old uh, Wikipedia here for a second. Here, iPhone. Come on, see, now I'm waiting for a beach ball. What were we just saying? Oh, kill me now. Come on. Thank you. Oh. Yeah, if you search for iPhone on Wikipedia, you get a quick list of uh, the various devices and it shows the um, oh it shows the sales that's interesting uh, sales of each quarter um, from 20, 2007 all the way up to uh, the third quarter of 2017 but um, let me back to earth here hardware I guess this one this is on this page need some jeopardy music guys no takers what do you do with that what are you looking for I'm looking for the processor in a 5s if I can I'm looking I'm looking on Wikipedia real
2: quick looks like it's the arm v8 which is a 64 64- bit processor.
1: R&B, and what do we have in the newer phones? The 6s and... Oh, the 5s would have been around the same time as the 6s, right? Or no? no two that, years right?
0: before the, 5, the 6s. It's a, 5s is a pretty old phone. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's not surprising that, that uh, it's pretty slow. And the iPhone ten uses the A11
2: Bionic.
1: Right, right. Well, we don't know if the iPhone ten has the same bug, right? So in fact, it may be so fast that it's able to keep up with the fast tapping, right? And then, uh, of course, the answer will be just upgrade your phone.
2: <laughs> I mean, that's... That's certainly one possibility. I'm assuming it, it is more of a logic problem of that animation blocking yeah, um, updates yeah. to uh, to calculation.
1: Yeah, because what what's actually happening is you know it's kind of it's it, the sum is 24, right? So if you're tapping one and then two and then three real quickly, you get 23 on the screen, and then and then you hit the plus and it adds the one to it, right? So that's how you get 24 out of that equation. But still, eh, somebody should have caught it in QA, right? Indeed, yep. good, we're all in agreement. So the next one is uh, ask MTG. Is uh, from you, Jaime?
2: Not from me, um, but from Greg Heo. We do often get confused. It, I mean, people confuse because he, he likes to ape my style. Uh, <laughs> i be that as a may. <laughs> his uh, his follow up here is, our, uh, Ask asking TJC is uh, pointing us at the practical use of blockchain uh, technology from Mark's alma mater, MIT, who is using it as a uh, digital diploma. So you can sort of right. prove you know, that you do in fact have this uh, credential, whatever that credential may be, and it also. Uh, Besides the um, authentication side also removes any um, intermediaries. So if you, uh, I don't know what universities do nowadays because it's been a while since I've been in one, but I remember the last time to prove to an employer, it's like I had to go pay, you know, at the little office to get uh, an official like certified copy that you could give to your employer say, yes, I do in fact have, uh, you know, Bachelor of Science, Computer Science from the University you really? Texas. Really? You've had, you've had to prove that to people in the past? I mean, for like my first job that I got probably. Really? Huh. As a, as a wee junior web developer type person. I was going to say, I
1: don't think I've ever taken my diploma out of its little uh, sleeve. I think it may have been framed by Carol, but that's about the only thing really. I've never had to show it to anybody. I, do, I don't really have a fancy CSI, CSI, CI degree like you do. Um, yeah, it's interesting. You know, I find that this article was kind of interesting too. Like when you think about it, you know, the, the uh, MIT has been around for a while and they've only had 207,000 undergraduate and graduates go through the program, right? They haven't been around. Like, wait,
2: what do you consider a long time, Tim? It hasn't been that long. I mean, um, it's not. It's not like uh, like there's probably dorm rooms in uh, like Cambridge that that are older than MIT. Right? Like, you forget how young the United States is. Oh, yeah. I
0: Harvard is certainly a
2: lot older. But yeah, MIT was founded
1: I think in eighteen.
0: 18- 70 something
1: 1868, it says here, but how, when then why would it only be 207,000?
0: Well, because each class is only about 2,000 people, right? Right? So, so you know, say it's 100 years, I know it's more than 150 years, 150 times 200,000. So, sorry, 150 times 2,000 that would be about 300,000, and it wasn't always that big, right? Yeah, there would have been much Probably smaller classes, days, so yeah,
1: makes sense. Yeah. Huh. I don't know, I just you just, I just and a lot of
0: people don't graduate. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: I guess there is that too, right? Yeah, so, yeah. well, 111 graduates this year, so um, that's a lot, right? If you think a cohort of 111 graduates came the first to receive, uh, but a cohort could be like in a three-month period. Yeah, or yeah. I period. don't think they're saying that that was
2: all of the graduates. It was just no, no, no. I'm not saying they're all. It just was
1: this last career. this last batch. Yeah, for sure. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. Interesting though. Hmm. Yep. Yeah, yeah. This ought to be the sort of thing that if um, it becomes across the board used, you, hopefully we can avoid these future things where you know inevitably some politician somewhere is like, oh yeah, I've got a master's from such and such and some reporter goes and checks. or whatever, yeah. And they're like, "Uh, no, they've never actually attended the school. Oh, well, you know, well, with this, they they could very easily ask. He's like, show your proof. Let's go find it on the blockchain. Do you, in fact, have these credentials from this university?
1: Hmm. And if you go to an employer that can't understand how to get the blockchain, you don't want to work for them, right? (laughs) That might be a good filter.
0: (laughs) But it it is true that the, the days of the paper resume are pretty much gone. I mean, it's... It's very rare now that you have to, as far as I know, that that you submit certainly submit a paper resume or or a cover letter. It's all it's all online now, and I think more and more it's moving away from even submitting an official resume to just submitting a link to your LinkedIn or something like that. I think more and more people are doing that, uh, and uh, so it's it, it wouldn't be surprising if you know in, in not too far in the future, if LinkedIn is connected to this, so it's, so everything's verified because right now you know on LinkedIn or even on a resume you just type. You can type in whatever you want, and it's sort of up to the person seeing it to, to verify that it that it's all true if they choose to. Right, so, right. so this would make that a whole lot easier. It makes a lot of sense.
1: Well, yeah, and there's a lot of lot of uh, there's been some cases of fraud over the years, like you said, just oh, sure. joking about the politicians. But like I, I've even heard of some places where um, one person will go for the job interview, and another another person will show up on the first day for work. Yeah, yeah, right. name, right. Or, or whatever. Yeah, yep. and the employers don't know any difference. Apparently, uh, it was it was I think it was a case. I saw on an article a year ago or so. Mm-hmm. Anywho, that's our uh, Ask MTJC section. So in the follow-up, uh, as I said, I was talking about uh, pretty good privacy and um, so we determined, and I think at, at the time pretty good privacy was pretty new, but there was a version that ran on the Mac and it was GPG, which is sort of an open version of, uh, well, there's open PGP as well, but uh, GPG is, is what I was using and I found my my original key from the year 2000. So and under a different company, like an email address that I no longer have control over because that company no longer exists. But, but it was interesting to find that, that I did, I was able to track down my, my uh, original uh, PGP identity uh, from the year 2000. I've since gone in and, and uh, created a new one with my current email address. And I just discovered just before recording the show today that you can actually put uh, multiple email addresses into one PGP signature. So the idea behind it is that, you know, I I was playing around with Mark uh, during the week as well, that, if I wanted to send an encrypted email to Mark, um, he could go retrieve my public key and I would go retrieve his public key and then would use those to sign the email and the message would go out completely encrypted from however it would transmit from my mail server to Mark's mail server and then to his mailbox and his um, PGP key and would unlock my email to him and vice versa. So, And, and, I, and I alluded to the fact in, in Cryptonomicron, the characters uh, in that book uh, are are very savvy about uh, encryption and uh, they all send each other encrypted emails all the time using the same technology which is why I remembered it from having read the book as well uh, as making that so it's fun to sort of track down my original uh, my original key and of course from 2000 that would have been probably on a Mac classic machine on a you know it's probably system uh, system eight or what was it Mac OS 8 I think it was called right um, back in the day so lots of fun so if you uh, if you have the gumption you can go out there and try and find my public key and send me an email, and I'll encrypt something and send it back to you. How about that? We we what, that what was?
0: We'll actually do that. Sorry.
1: <laughs> Should we a bet on how many people will actually take you up on well, that? Well, how many? Have we, how many have emailed you since we started the show, Mark? Yeah,
0: exactly zero. So, <laughs> so I'm not <laughs> hopeful that that your number will be that
1: high.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, who knows? What were you going to say, Jaime? So it was made in the year 2000. Do you re- recall, off the top of your head, what um, algorithm was being used at the time?
1: Um, I don't know it was the same, uh, same one. I've actually got this. So I've loaded up the software. Um, this, so there's a, a site called pgptools.org, I believe. Sorry, GPG, GP of a PGP backwards. Hang on one second. Let me just uh, get this up here.
2: Oh yes. Because I kind of wonder given, you know, it's almost 18 years later, I kind of wonder if, um, if that sort of key is no longer as uh, secure as it once was. We, now we could just, you know, Oh, uh, I just have this like, browser tool I can run. That's fast enough to, to generate a, a colliding value,
1: so there's a GPG uh, keychain you can down cheap key, keychain utility. It's very it looks very similar to the uh, the other one there, but uh, yeah, no, I can see it uses a, a the fingerprint is like um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine pair, or nine. What do you call it when you got four uh, hexadecimal characters? I don't know what you call that. I guess it's hexadecimal. Whatever Does that sound right? So, but um, so I can only retrieve my public key from back in the day because I'd, I'd have to go and un- 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 archive Car- one of on my Macs and see if I can restore from backup the, the private key. So I can't use this, this particular, um, particular key because my comp, the company's now, I don't have control of that email address. You need the email address to vet it, right? So mm-hmm. I actually made my original key on July 13th, 2000. So, but I since made them with my current email addresses. And it's funny, when you search for Tim Mitra, my nephew's name is Tim Holmes Mitra, and he also works in IT and he also works in security. And he's got two keys listed out there on in these. So what you do is you upload it to a public server Server the key server right, um, and then other people can. So if I wanted to send you an email, hi man, you had a PGP key. I could retrieve your key and then use that to send you an email. And then, of course, you would have to be able to. You would have to know how to decrypt it on your on the way back. And when you install this tool on your Mac, it actually attaches itself to the Apple Mail program, so you can sign things right out of Apple Mail. It's not like you have. You can use other third party apps, and there are iOS apps that you can install on your phone as well that will encrypt your email. But so, Jaime, According to Wikipedia, uh, PGP does. Use RSA, RSA. Okay. So it should be pretty secure. Really? Hmm. So what? So what is it about RSA that makes it secure, Mark?
0: Well, it's the uh, first, the algorithm for using the uh, private and public keys in conjunction, and the number of bits that the keys use. Uh, the more bits that it uses, the more secure it is because it's harder to crack. It's harder to find the uh, right right the number. The RSA, if I remember correctly, I'm dusting some cobwebs off here, but it's it's basically it's based on the difficulty of factoring. A very large number to two smaller, but still also very large numbers. So, so if you know, if you you know, if you somehow hash the message using that large number, uh, the first large number, uh, and use use the private key to factor it in some way. Now I'm okay. Now I'm going to territory where I'm talking off the top of my head here. Uh, you need the other number to be able to, but it is based on the fact on the factoring of, of large numbers. And where if you know one number, then you can decrypt it. Or sorry, you need both numbers to be able to decrypt the thing. Uh, and so if one of those, but, you, but with only one number, you can't decrypt the thing. So so if you have if you have only the public key, then you can't decrypt it. You need both the private key and the public key to decrypt this thing.
1: Right, right. Uh, yeah, so the next story I had on here was, and I wasn't sure if this is really even worth talking about, but uh, it was a post by Justin Stanley had posted on uh, his Twitter feed that uh, somebody had posted, I think it's iPhoneInCanada.ca had posted a survey that uh, iPhone 10 demand was was expected to be was expected to be lower than expected and yet uh, on the other side of that coin uh, apparently Apple stock I believe today is at an all-time high based on the uh, number of orders in the pre-order and uh, Apple apparently has doubled its um, requested uh, hardware pieces to make that make up the phone uh, over the next few months right so uh, I think that uh, this survey uh, may not hold water as it were right
2: yeah I mean we'll we'll be a little bit later in this episode, we'll talk about our own experiences, but Mm -hmm. uh, given what I saw online in terms of people's experiences, I kind of doubt that uh, it was anything other than a rather smashing success. I mean, we don't know exact numbers, but it certainly seemed like demand was high. There weren't exactly um, uh, short lines of folks trying to get into the the store, the virtual store, that is, to to get one.
0: And and Apple stock jumped the day after release site, so that's usually
1: a good sign. Yeah, I'm just scrolling through my feed here to see if I can find a story that I was going of mark later.
2: So, this is one I think you'll like, Tim, because you uh, you like reachability, the feature on, on current devices that you <laughs> yes. double uh, what, tap, I guess, double, as double, opposed to double double tap the home button. And yes. Double, very lightly double tap the home button and it will bring the top of the screen closer to your thumb so you can use it in a, a one headed scenario. Uh, and you'd asked rightfully the question of like, well, what the heck? Like, how is that going to work? We've got this little um, like home strip or, or home indicator. I forget what they call it on the iPhone X. What that thing is called the little stick mm-hmm. at the bottom of the screen. Apparently, uh, reachability is still there. Um, it's just not on by default, it's uh, an accessibility option. And I think you might want this uh, one right. where you uh, you swipe down on the little indicator and it will trigger the reachability act as opposed oh, to swiping nice. up to go into um, to the home screen or to uh, bring up uh, multitasking, right? Right,
1: yeah. It'll be interesting to see what the the sort of gestures are going to do for us. So, so, does reachability work on the six or the seven size phone mark? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I wasn't sure. Because there was some discussion about that going away, but I mean, maybe that maybe that was related to the missing home button. I mean, not, not what I was talking about, not including the fact that I brought it up. Well, um, cool. mm-hmm. all right. So let, with that, why don't we go through? So I, I, I know quite a few, I, I was surprised actually how many uh, colleagues of mine and uh, even the trainer at the at the big nerd ranch, Mikey. Hey, Mikey um, also um, ordered a phone on the Thursday night. Uh, we were in, I was in a training session on Thursday and Friday. Uh, with Big Nerd Ranch people. And um, so I stayed up on Thursday night to order a phone. Um, I ordered three of them. But uh, why, don't, why don't you tell us what uh, how you, what your experience was like there, Hame?
2: Yeah, um, I've, I've slowly refined my technique and it utterly failed for me this time. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> but I, I, I've been listening to other uh, other podcasts and, and seeing other people's experiences on Twitter and I have uh, unsubstantiated updates to, to my technique. So I'll describe what it is. So traditionally you want to have the Apple Store app up on you know, on your device, and in this case, I had both my iPad and my iPhone with the Apple Store app up and running, ready to roll. I also had the um, Apple Store uh, website on Safari and Chrome on my MacBook Pro, just ready. You know, just right around eleven fifty-five, I started mashing the refresh on on each one of these things to try to get into the store. And as every second and every minute ticked by, I just got more and more panicky. And eventually, I said, oh, "I better go check Twitter because." What the heck is going on? Has anybody gotten in? And here I am, seeing all these people like twelve oh one. Oh, it worked perfectly. It's great. I just got in. I was like, Oh no, <laughs> I'm not going to be able to get a phone until 2018 at this rate. And uh, yeah. uh, despite doing all the, the the pro tips of use the store app, you know, pre favorite your stuff so you don't have to, um, you know, waste time going and finding the model and everything. And right. I was even prepared to use uh, Apple Pay as a setup, so I didn't have to waste any time entering in credit card info and that sort of thing. For me, here are the stats that I wrote down: the Apple app first came up for me on my iPad at 12.14. That would be Pacific time. My iPhone didn't come on board until 12.21. Wow. Somewhere in there um, I was able to get in through Verizon's website and I got about halfway through the flow before it got stuck. So for me, the, the closest time period I had was 12.14 in the morning um, before I was actually able to like get in, like see an opportunity of a page that doesn't just say, you know, please wait, we have something great for you coming soon or whatever it is that right, uh, yeah, the page yeah. says. Uh, so it was it was not great, and then even when I was able to get through, I wasn't even sure if I'd actually ordered a phone because it was like, okay, great. Uh, by the way, we cannot contact Verizon, but but don't worry, we've uh, we've got a phone reserved for you. And when you get this email at some unspecified time in the future, you will then have twenty four hours from thence to complete your order and make sure that you get a phone. So mm. <laughs> I was like not sleeping well that night as I was wondering like, uh, should, I, should I try going elsewhere and try to buy. A phone what's happened? Do I actually have a phone on order? I've never seen this page before. Um, and thankfully, the next day in in like the morning, I think by the time I woke up, I got one saying like Oh, by the way, you'll get an email later on today that will uh, let you complete the form." And somewhere around like one p.m. in the afternoon, I finally did get that email. I was able to to finish things up. So it was like a very long and arduous day uh, for me. So like not smooth at all for me. Um, and what I subsequently learned. From folks that uh, I don't know if it's a pro tip for the future, but it sounds like people who were using their phones decided to turn off their Wi-Fi and stick to just the mobile network. Oh, really? Which is an interesting trick because that, that's entirely possible that the like DNS caching or whatever it is that that Apple is using to to you know flip this, the switch on opening the store that that seems feasible to me. Like that could be something. like, Oh, well, if I'm connected through AT and T, for example, um, I'm probably being routed through like Long Beach, California servers as opposed to I don't know Bellevue. You probably for Verizon and T-mobile yeah that's
1: an interesting theory because because and uh, kind of backs up what my experience was in that um, I didn't I everything was on the same wireless network here uh, I'm on the bell network here and um, I had my iPad open to the App Store app I had my iPhone open to the App Store app I'd heard somewhere that somebody had said that if you shake the device it it does like a it's like a refresh uh, update shake to refresh so I'm I'm sitting here at you know 10 after three or whatever or five after three, shaking my phone, thinking, am I just being an idiot and this doesn't really work? Because there's no indicator to, to show that it's actually uh, doing any kind of update at all, right? So um, my experience was my iPhone and my iPad never connected to the App Store by the time I had ordered three phones, come to three phones, right? Um, for me, what happened was the uh, my Safari browser came out first. I had my, uh, my second screen on my Mac. I had it pointed at the Rogers website because I was going to order my phone through the Rogers business program, which gets me blah, 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 all this fancy access, right? Um, that never updated. In fact, to this day, it still says, if you'd like to order a Google uh, Google um, Pixel 2 XL, go through this website. And they never updated the page to indicate that you could even order an iPhone 10 through there. And I'd called a day or two before to make sure that I, I had access to that page and I had an account and I could log in and I was told by the guy not to bother until it had updated to say iPhone 10 for sure. Anywho, um, similar experience to you, Jaime, I think, it was a, I, I did see people on Twitter getting their phones. Um, but I think I around quarter after the hour um the uh Apps Apple store opened for me. I had it said and I think this is similar to experiences I saw as well, it said that I had a phone within the first week. So I was gonna order one silver phone and I was gonna order another uh space gray phone, right? Um but what happened was uh I then had to look up the, the postal code for the office that I work in because I didn't have it at hand. So in the time it took me to go to Google type in the name of the building I'm in and postal code and get that response. It was like, you know, in milliseconds, I lost a week of delivery, right? So once I put the postal code in there and I thought, well, I'm not going to go back and order another phone. So I just changed the quantity to two and got two silver phones. Um, And then I started working on my personal phone. I'm thinking, well, you know, and that, uh, and sorry, the the sale, or the the order for me went to two to three weeks, right? With this postal code search thing. So that phone's not coming till the 20 something of November uh, or those two that to those two phones, my the Rogers situation was slightly different, and and I don't know why it was, but um, I have my mail client open, and mail doesn't necessarily pop to the to the forefront. I get notifications and things like that. Things like that. For some reason, this Best Buy email about the iPhone popped up and, and came into focus on the front of my screen, and it you know I just could see enough of the message to say iPhone 10 at Best Buy, and I thought, what have I got to lose? So I clicked on it, and sure enough, it asked me who my supplier was, and then so I. Rogers as my supplier, and it immediately offered me the same price and the same terms that Rogers would have offered me anyway. So I went ahead and ordered that one. And um, it's kind of tricky how phone uh, how things are allocated. And this is this is sort of like you know ten, 10 or sorry five minutes after I would already ordered two successfully with a two to three week um, delivery date. I think what Best Buy must have done was they must have reserved a bunch of phones from Apple, and as soon as they got confirmation, fired off this email to all the people on their mailing list, right, who happened to be up at three o'clock in the morning and i because i'm getting one this weekend theoretically right so um, probably friday and that's ordering it through um through the best buy site under the rogers program and i'm paying 7.99 on a two-year contract in canadian dollars so for the 256 what do you say i mean that doesn't sound too bad
2: at all because I, <laughs> I i forgot to mention in my story i'm not getting one on day one i have to wait with very sad people for the next phase of shipments from november 17th through
1: the 24th uh, right now. oh you still get you're saying getting yours before me, like the, the other two that I ordered. What about you, Mark? What was your experience like? So I used the Apple Update program. Oh, right. Yeah.
0: And uh, it was actually, you guys might hate me for this, but it was actually very easy. So I had pre-applied or pre- got pre-approved the week before. So I had an email with a link uh, uh, to click for, you know, at, at 1201, click this link. Uh, well, I was late. I kind of forgot about it <laughs> until about <laughs> 20 past 12. And then I said, oh, my God, I better, better click that link. So I clicked the link and it took me right into the App Store app and right to uh, my you know ordered phone and and with a button that said Do you want to order now? So I said Yeah, order now. And it took me through just a couple of screens of Where do you want to ship it to? And blah blah blah. Uh, but didn't ask me for any you know credit card information or anything like that. And of course not because it's it's on the you know the installment plan. So that's probably why. But then it just seemed uh, here's where it got a little weird. It, it it got to one point where it just kind of popped me back to the top screen of the app store app and without any kind of you're done congratulations or anything like that and i never got any kind of email about it uh so i thought oh you know i was too late i screwed up i didn't get this thing but it turns out the next morning or actually it actually came at, at about three in the morning but i had already gotten to sleep next morning i just got an email saying "Yep, oh, here's your here's your receipt uh it'll be there november 17th through the 24th so i didn't get in the first you know the first wave but uh it looks like i'm in the second wave with remarkably little friction.
1: That's cool. Well, like again, but why would we hate you? Because you know you're you're already committed to Apple. You've already you've already joined up the 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 uh, instant upgrade program anyway. So yeah. you've, you've you've committed to them, right? You're 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 part right, of the right, in right. crowd, right? So yeah. Well, well no,
0: yeah. You know, the reason I, I thought you might hate me is because I didn't have to go through you know frantic tapping on my browser and. <laughs> and all that.
1: You know, well, it. I mean, truth be told, I went to bed at like ten thirty, which is completely rare for me, and I spent like the next two and a half hours just dreaming about. Refreshing browsers for forever, so I got up at like two and mm-hmm. or two thirty and just went downstairs and and uh, sat in front of my computer, edited the yeah. podcast while I'm waiting for the, the witching hour, right? So yeah, yeah. So too,
0: can, I'm just curious. So Rogers still offers subsidized phones? Is that is that what? Yeah, you're they saying? do. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I guess okay. none of
1: your none of your American car- car- carriers. No, no.
0: Right? So so we're paying a lot more than what you paid. It looks like
1: possibly. Yeah, I guess so. so well, it's funny because I was over at um, the Best Buy the other day. I was buying a birthday present. For for someone um, and uh, I looked over and I saw like an iPhone 7 for or maybe it was an iPhone 8 for zero dollars you know so come to Canada where we have you know free iPhones
0: yeah <laughs> so there was actually a, a little bit of a, a minor scandal regarding Best Buy down here I don't know if you heard about this no what's that um, so Best Buy was offering that day uh, iPhone 10s but for an extra hundred dollars over list price so if oh, really? you wanted to buy one right then and there and not go on an. Installment payment plan or anything like that, you could buy it, but it would cost you a hundred hundred bucks extra. And wow, yeah. So a lot of people made noise about that, and they took that down. So so they stopped doing that. But but yeah, they were they were trying to take advantage of people's need to have the thing, the new thing right now.
2: Wow. So that was kind of interesting because maybe I take it a slightly different way, and it's uh, uh I am gonna check my privilege here, as they say, and say uh, I'm certainly uh fit somewhat into the bourgeois class, right? I'm, I'm, I do pretty well for myself uh rather than having the the frantic um wondering of, of what's going to happen am i going to get it am i going to get a darn phone um and then having it you know shipped and arrived to me two weeks later than i would really like to have it i would absolutely pay a hundred dollars more to have it on day yeah. without of really? stress should, should have gone on best buy then yeah had i known <laughs> go pay yeah. the extra money to best buy <laughs> yeah that's right i mean um it, 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 i understand why people are upset because it's it, it smacks of um price gouging although when this case it's certainly mm-hmm. not a, a necessity item uh it's, it's not food and water you know even gasoline sort of thing and it's not quite as egregious as people who are gonna you know flip these things on ebay for two three four times the price yeah true true so maybe that's why it doesn't uh bother me so much
1: mm-hmm. or oh, are people doing that like they you they go on they buy them and then they run off to ebay and try and cash in
0: yeah apparently there was one on for sale on ebay for something like fifteen thousand dollars or something oh some
1: yeah way. yeah yeah that's crazy yeah yeah i mean um I can imagine, like you know, making a couple hundred bucks off the thing, but not like not crazy money. Like, because sadly, somebody will pay that. That's the worst part of it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just looking for an article. I saw on CNBC, but I'm going to give up because I saw an article on uh, on their site this morning. It Was a video um, on Link- I think on LinkedIn, and uh, the the pundit who they were talking to, I've forgotten his name now, but he also ordered a phone, and his experience was very similar to what we what we had experienced as well in terms of you know not getting until maybe quarter or fifteen minutes out. After the after the gate opened, right?
2: Um, yeah, and while I, I while I would like the experience to be um, you know a, a better experience, I'm I'm not sure it's actually a solved problem in distributed computing. Um, I don't think that anybody in the world could handle that sort of uh, no. traffic that right. requires like actually taking money and doing and, and having a defined set of orders. Like uh, I've seen people joking about Amazon being uh, you know a place to do this, and I will point out that even Amazon itself was brought down. Um, hard like their their web their homepage was completely uh, unavailable when the NES that would be Nintendo Entertainment System classic was a briefly available on their website mm, last year I think right it, right, it brought yeah. them down and and there's no way the NES classic has anything approaching an iPhone 10 release until. no
1: but that's that particular products in pretty high demand though isn't it or and they brought not down iPhone demand
2: and not all <laughs> and not all um, you know at the same time like I'm, I'm sure, sure if you were to stretch out you know the number of people who are gonna buy an iPhone 10 and you perfectly place them, you know, from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. Oh yeah, sure. Anybody can handle that. It's the instantaneously having, like, look at my situation, right? So I had my iPad, my iPhone and two browsers and I'm even going to throw in Verizon stuff as well because it ultimately has to talk to Apple's system, right? I had five instances for one person trying to barge my way in through the door.
1: Yeah, but see what you did wrong though is you were all coming through one IP with one service, right? So if you were smart, you would have done what those other guys did and switched over to at least some of your devices to LTE, oh yeah, uh, but, and that, that's why I'm going to use that the next time. Yeah, but, well, but, you'll, but forget, you'll, you'll forget, you'll forget, unless you, unless you go back and listen to this episode. I'm telling you right now, I may go back and listen to this episode to give yourself a hint for next year. Uh, and <laughs> you know, I planted the seed, um, but
2: but, but, that, so, but hold on. So this is still like the the, the scalability and distributed systems problem, right? We're like, let's pretend there are. Let's be conservative. Let's say it's like three million people all at once trying to um, to buy an iPhone 10. That same. Night, like right then as the doors open.
1: That's pretty conservative.
2: So that's not three. That's probably, you know, uh, upwards of 15, you know, if, if each one of them has five instances, like I did, trying to get in. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like I, I can't think of any website that can handle 15 million people all No, coming and to worldwide. Like I know, to Buy something.
1: I know people in Australia who are buying phones at the same time as us right? and people in England as well. Right. So there was also a discussion, too. I think James Thompson from uh, PCALC had, was discussing this with some people about about the idea of having a lottery for like a a WWDC having a lottery for the, the first day phones. What do you think about that? I think that's kind of scary. Hmm. Given that you were already willing to spend a hundred dollars more to get a phone on for, on day one.
2: (laughs) It's like, Oh, is this a problem that money can solve? Let me use money. (laughs) 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 It's like, Oh, is that how it feels to, to be in that class? No. Um, I'd actually kind of thought about that idea as well. And uh, I tweeted about it with, uh, with Joe, Jablonski, as we we mentioned earlier in the show, um, I'm not familiar with any lottery of that magnitude. Like that, uh, to his point, like where you
1: buy a ticket on day one. No, no. Well,
2: well, he rightfully pointed out, like you know, when they do the lottery for WWDC, that's a relatively small number of people. It's you know, five thousand ish people are ultimately going to end up with. And if it's, I don't know, right, twenty thousand right. people who who try to apply, or even heck, let yeah, think it's say twenty hundred thousand. Let's say it's mm. three hundred thousand people who try to apply. It's all like a very highly motivated, very very geeky group who who wants to get in for a very small number of, of items and for a very small number of uh, submitted lottery tickets. I can't imagine what that lottery process would be like for I don't know what do they have like mm, let's say three to five million devices maybe up to ten devices. How many millions of people are going to be putting their hat in the ring for that? I, I don't. Yeah, know. but
1: that's true. Yeah. But you, you collect those yeah. names in advance and then and then how long does it take for a CPU to, to generate a random number? Not oh, very long. Yeah.
2: But it, it's not like the the computational side. It'd be more like how does that work from an experience? Side? Like i like, if it worked perfectly, um, I actually would love it because I would have rather have slept really well that night. And maybe I found out, you know, the day before I was like, Oh, guess what, sir? It sucks to be you. You're not going to be able to get a phone. I was like, all right, well, I guess it <laughs> wasn't my time to have one. I'll have to get one later. At least I would have slept well. Right. Um I, Which is one thing I really like about the seat process. And it's like, okay, I don't have to panic and worry that like, I might have like been in the toilet or something while, <laughs> while tickets were available. I was like, all right, I, I put my hat in the ring. And I, if I get it, I, I get it. If I don't, I don't. And everything's fine. Um, well, what,
1: what about the wristband policy? Like so say the other one where, where you apply, you have to go and get a wristband in advance. And then and then I guess that's kind of sort of what we've done, right? And then um, yeah, I, I, this is this is the wristband metaphor, right? Like you, you go stand in line and you get a wristband and, and you're told you're going to get your device on X day or whatever, right? You're all in the same place. It, like. And I think I mentioned on this show that Robert Plant Tickets went on sale recently. And uh, the way they did them at the website was instead of opening the gate and letting people order them all at the same time, they let people over time enter the name into a lottery to get a coupon to be able to go and order a ticket. Right. And of course, I entered the lottery and I didn't hear anything because clearly my number didn't come up. Right. So and yet those tickets sold out like in within minutes of of the gate opening. Right. So uh, even though people like the the whole lot, the whole lottery system kind of like preceded who would be lucky enough to get a device. Right. Or a, a ticket. For the show, so it would be the same thing with the iPhone, right? You know, I, I wonder if it's really all that necessary. I mean,
0: was there anyone who tried to get a phone the first day that you know that didn't get a phone? No, nobody got turned nobody. away. Yeah, no. I mean, in fact, at the office, we ordered a couple of phones the next day. Right?
1: Yeah, day. you mentioned that.
0: And yeah, we got a delivery time in December, but you know, that's only a few weeks later. I think it's you know, I think it's a little bit overhyped here. Yeah, that's <laughs> um, true. That's true. You don't have to have a phone the first day, although it's fun too. But you don't. Know,
1: Happy that that's true yeah yeah the phone. you still got a phone yeah it's true i mean i think when i got my six i didn't even though i was able to pick it up on the first day i don't think i actually went to the store and picked it up until the next day like on the saturday right even though they were shipping on friday so
2: hmm. yeah i think the other the other thing people were joking about and it's uh i don't know if it's true or not but it's certainly it's funny enough to, to to feel like it should be true that uh sprint still had stuff available like the very next day Poor sprint <laughs> wow. I don't know if it's true, but the fact that I don't outright dismiss it as being false means that... (laughs) Says a lot about the, them as a company, unfortunately. So Sprint is like a like a low tier decision for people to go with for, as a carrier. It was like, somebody had like a, an image of like the Venn diagram of Sprint customers and iPhone ten aficionados, and it only slightly overlapped. Really, but but so so again, coming back to this allocation, like
1: suppose Sprint had bought a thousand phones, right, and they were going to get them on first day delivery, right? Would
2: you still not go over there if you knew that was the case? If I knew for sure that that was the case, I absolutely would have bought Sprint and then I would have just <laughs> migrated my number back to whoever else I wanted to go to. Yeah, well, so like, I mean, as
1: soon as, I, as, soon as that Best Buy window opened for me and I got a phone on on, on day one, I started to tweeting the heck out of that. I mean, like for the thousand people who follow me, maybe like, you know, a handful probably saw it. But how many would then take that, carry that ball and go back to Best Buy and, and use that order mechanism, right? They probably, like, you know, they probably, this is like 20 after twenty after the hour and, and uh, you know, I'm getting
2: like day one delivery, right? Yeah, so I think the, the future pro tip is to make sure we understand who all the retailers are that are selling the phones and then choose the least desirable one, because surely that's the one that nobody (laughs) in their right mind is going to think about, which will give you really good chances.
1: Yeah. And it's funny because like, you know, every time I've I've talked to the business people after going through this uh, situation, this, you know, type of ordering, and I've done it a number of times, just like you guys have, right? I think last time I I ordered a phone, the business people said to me, well, just call this number and get a phone. There's no big deal. In fact, I even tweeted to, to Roger's, just yesterday that that it still says google pixel 2 on their website right um and that's clearly the wrong message right um but they're like oh just go over there and register for a thing and whatever and it's like you know, i'm sorry but if i'm putting my name down that i'm i'm you know getting this hardware deal and it's going to be a google pixel 2 i don't even want to take the chance that that i'll get that thing ordered right you know what i mean Mm -hmm. they
2: didn't understand how rabid we are about about the devices we want right yeah, here I was thinking I was the only crazy person who was going to get a two fifty six gig silver Verizon iPhone ten, and apparently not, because uh, mine's uh, two to three weeks out. Yeah, so so my
1: friend Stan, who used to work at at, uh, at uh, one of the Rogers stores, um, I remember being in his office when, or being in the store when people would come to the counter and and you know demand to get an iPhone, whatever the hell it was at the time, probably a four or something like that, like standing there screaming at the top of their lungs to get one of the these phones, like just you know, hand it over to them, and you know, I just, I, I in the retail market, I just, I can't imagine how those people—they must have really thick skins for this kind of this kind of traffic, right? And but this isn't, but I'm, and I'm not, I'm not talking about people on day one ordering. I'm talking about people like a week or two later, kind of thing, just expecting that you know they would walk into a store and get an Apple device. It's funny though. I was thinking about this the other day, like we were talking about the fact that you know this demand for iPhones has always been hard, right? But you know, and I go back to my reseller days back in the in the. 2000s there, the early to late 2000s, I guess, or no, mid 2000s. And, um, you know, the, the new MacBook Pro Retina 15 came out, right? And you would, it would, it would be weeks before you could get one of those, right? It wasn't like, you know, they were, I mean, you could, what we hated about the Apple stores at the time is you could go to the Apple store and there was a pretty good chance they had stock there. But as far as the, those of us ordering through the channel, you know, we would, we would have orders lined up and we, w- we weren't able to, to fill those orders because people were continuing to order, like, you know, we had two, three, you know, sometimes six-week wait times for hardware to come in on the new line of whatever the hell the computer was, right? Whether it was, uh, you know, iMacs were always readily available, but whenever the Pro Series Max came out, we would have to wait weeks and weeks and weeks to get uh, devices, right? In fact, um, and as soon as Apple would announce a device for sale, if you were a smart enough reseller, you would just, you know, throw down $10,000 or $20,000 and just order up whatever they had, right? Because you knew you could move them in the first couple of weeks. Right, but yeah, I can't tell you the number I've had. Like, I've had people waiting, and I've had people cancel orders because they had to wait, you know, two, three, four weeks for a device, and and I couldn't give them an answer as to when I would get product. Right, you know, I'd contact my supplier, and my supplier would go, "I don't know, we haven't heard anything from Apple." And so, this is not a new problem. This is this is the this is just in time inventory, and and they don't want to. They don't want. I mean, whether they can manufacture in time or whether they don't want to manufacture in time, like like how did Apple know what the potential um, sales would be for the iPhone 10 until they had a pre-order, right? Until they actually had people putting cash down on their on their credit cards to say, "Yes, I'm committing to buy this device." How would they even know what to ramp up the production to, right? They can't just guess that people are going to. What if what if it's a flop? What if nobody shows up, right? Like the iPhone 8. I think I told you guys that um, I I got up at three o'clock in the morning and I ordered an iPhone 8 uh, Plus for the office, and then the next morning, just for shits and giggles, I went in and looked at the ordering process and they were still like within the first week of, of uh, availability, right? This is like, you know, eight hours after I'd got up at three in the morning. So it's not a new problem.
2: Yeah. And I, I could see why they would be sort of cautious about not having too much stuff available, even though that might right, be right. like the sensible thing to do. And they of, like, yeah, we'll, we'll clearly sell this many, but, you know, through the, the calendar or um, device model year. But as it is, even with like the chaos that we run into and where, you know, right now, I think it's like five to six weeks before you're gonna Get a phone. Um, yeah, there was still Anna's playing like, oh no, like look, this is proof that you know demand was lower than expected because we thought it was going to be into twenty eighteen. It's like, well, <laughs> but you didn't know how many they made. <laughs> I mean, just because you expected it to be, like, oh gosh, nobody will be able to get one until the iPhone ten series two comes out. You know, and then by then you'll be cursing how, how old and decrepit this phone is. Um, That's true. It's true.
1: And Apple, Apple's not a not a obviously not a gambling company from that point of view. Like we were just talking about Blade Runner, uh, the Blade Runner twenty forty nine movie with with. Jonathan on spotcast just before the show and I was surprised to find out that you know they spent what did he say 200 million dollars on it and they only made 80 million in ticket sales I mean you you can't be an Apple for very long if you're if you're committing to that kind of uh, cost of a product line and then having you know and not not making not making your money back right I mean Apple is not foolish they you know especially with somebody like Tim Cook at the helm wasn't he the the guy who was in charge of inventory and and, uh, stores or something like that before when Steve Jobs is still around. I mean, you know, this is his his specialty is making sure that there's uh, you're not overcommitting on what you're you're manufacturing,
2: right? Okay. Yeah, he was Mr. Mr. Supply Chain, uh, as, right? Chief Operating Officer. I do think the lottery, the Atari ET game. You know what that? You know what I'm talking about there?
0: What's that one? Atari, the Atari ET cartridge. No, have you mm-hmm. ever heard about this? So, well, I may have, but fill us in. So back in the day, this was probably the 80s, right? It would have been the 80s. When oh, the Atari, oh, ET the game. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, the Atari 2600 was the hottest thing on the planet uh, and E.T. was the other hottest thing on the planet E.T. the movie well they came up with an E.T. game cartridge that they thought was going to be an enormous success because everybody loves E.T. of course well it turns out the game was just horrible it was a complete disaster and it was a complete flop so there, are, there were millions of these cartridges that Atari had made that they couldn't sell and they all ended up in a uh, in a landfill down in Arizona somewhere and it, right. it actually became sort of, sort of a, a, a tech legend. You know, is it was it really true that there was a landfill with all these old uh, Atari ET cartridges right. that, that are now are kind of rare? Uh, yeah, oh, extremely rare. Somewhere. And so they did a uh, an excavation. They found one guy from Atari who remembered where the, the landfill was. They did an ex- excavation and they found them. They found right, him yeah. a whole bunch, and some of them were still good. Some of them you could still use. Yeah, this, yeah. It's this not too long ago that, that happened, actually.
1: Yeah, those things are those uh, the, that, those those are like a rare collector's item. Uh, yeah, just making a note here for the for the folks at home. For those of you driving at home, we'll add a link to the show notes. Yeah, just in time. Yeah, I mean, I can't. I, I, I was involved in some books that were done, published books. Uh, you know, pictures of Toronto, and you know, worked on them for months and months and months. We thought it was going to be the greatest thing, and the paper was the kind of paper they ended up putting the, the books on was wrong, and it rippled in, in the bindery, and yeah, so there was like cases and cases of these books that were just not sellable. You know, <laughs> and and again, it's like one of these things where you as when you're putting stuff out there for sale, you have to commit to a certain manufacturing run and, you know, if that's not going to sell, you know, you're going to be, you're going to be screwed, right? So, and this again, why Apple does all these arrangements with whoever they make the arrangements with to build these things, the Foxcons and the whatever, the TMCs of the world, the Samsungs as well, right? And, and, and you know, and in this OLED screen is another reason why we're paying a $1,000 for a phone, right? That was another story that was, they were talking on the CNBC article about the fact that, like, who buys a phone for $1,000? You used to buy a phone for $30 or or free or whatever, right? So here we are spending a ton of money.
2: I mean, I've always wondered about that sort of thought and you'll see it on, you know, technical places or tech oriented places like um, Hacker News or Ars Technica, you know, that sort of place. And I can never understand how people don't sort of get the fact that like premium or luxury things mm-hmm. will cost more money and they won't necessarily be mm, that much better. In some cases, they're, they're not better at all. It's really just more of like a brand thing than anything else. Sure, yeah. Um, but I think a really easy example for most people to understand is like, well, why the heck does anybody even buy a BMW or an Audi when, you know, those are, I don't know, probably over $50,000 cars, I would guess. Um, why would you even buy that when you can get a perfectly good Ford Focus or Kia yeah, or, a for, Civic. you know, $10,000? It's like, is that BMW really more than five times as good? I guarantee you it's not. would <laughs> be stuck in traffic in LA just as good in the BMW as a, in a Kia, right? It's um, an absurd example, but I think it's a perfect example of like, look, uh, the iPhone 10 is definitely going to be like... The best on the block in in most respects, at least you know for a, a little while until some new device comes out somewhere else. Like, holy smokes, that's, that's even better, right? Six months from now?
1: Um, oh, two weeks from now? Never mind. Samsung yeah. will come out with something that'll be oh, it'll eclipse the iPhone in terms of its you know legendary popularity.
2: Yeah, but, but even if it wasn't, even if it was really literally just you know there is no more um, you know performance to be gained in, in any metric uh, size. Um, uh, you know, speed of of network, you know, how fast can it process things? Assuming it was completely a a commodity sort of basis, and literally the only difference was that Apple logo on the back. Yeah, shiny Apple logo. You can still see how people be like, yeah, it's worth it for for that branding, right? I mean, people will buy T-shirts that have the right logo on them, uh, even though they come from (laughs) the same factory that makes, you know, Walmart's T-shirts.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. Right. The
2: ones you get like ten of them for a dollar, sort of in a Haynes pack. Sort of thing.
1: Yeah, some some of those things I can, I can understand. My, my my stepson was telling me yesterday about um, there's a Toronto Maple Leaf Jeep you can buy, right? That the only difference between it and another Jeep is it's got three Toronto Maple Leaf stickers on it, and it's like ten thousand or twenty thousand dollars more than the regular Jeep or whatever. You know, it's just three stickers, or you know, three five dollar stickers, right? Um, yeah, it's ridiculous. But see, I was looking at the at the watches the other day, right? And looking at the prices of those, and you know, you can you can get the standard watch with the you know the the, the the gold watch or the aluminum watch sports watch, um, you know, for three hundred and forty nine dollars or no, four forty nine or whatever Canadian. Um or you can step it up and get the, you know, the the next edition one up, or you can get the ceramic one for like, you know, over a thousand dollars or more, right? And I look at those and I think to myself, it's the same watch. It's not like you're getting it's just the finish and the materials that makes the difference in terms of price, right? Or or even the Hermes um watch bands that they still sell for you know, eighteen hundred dollars or what have you, right? Uh, because it's got the Hermes name on it, right? And and I think you've pointed out, Jaime, you've gone to to Amazon and gotten the Hermes knockoff, right? Um, but that's something I shake my head at. I, I don't understand why. You know, why you need to have. I mean, I I replaced my blue developer uh, wrist wristband with a black one with the you know just because it just looks better in terms of dirt and color and whatever. But like Joe Shaplinsky, for instance, has said on Roundabout a number of times that he's one of the Guys, who who changes his watch band based on what what attire he's putting on, whether he's going to a you know a client meeting or doing a talk at a tech show or you know going for a run or or playing with the band, you know uh, he changes that up and he's he's got several bands. I I don't know how many um, watch bands you've got, Jaime, but uh, but like yeah, I don't I I get that the ceramic watch looks great and and there's the addition. What is the the the, um, the first generation of watches we had the the sport watch which was the aluminum case, and then there's a stainless steel case, and then there was the $24,000 or whatever watch as well, the gold one, right? But that said, I still see at, at the office, I still see a number of people walking around with the stainless steel watch. I mean, it's not that, it's not different at all. It's just the finish, right? So kind of wonder about these premium products. I, I, I get it. Like, you know, I know what you mean. Like, I sure, I would love to drive a Porsche to work every day, but I didn't want, I wouldn't want the sticker shock is what will get me, right? True. Yeah. Mark's falling asleep. <laughs> Here. Huh? I'm still here. You're still here. All right. Yeah. So, said we, we talked about Apple stock being at an all-time high. Um, so, was anything else we want to say about Apple stock being high price-wise? It's a good thing. It's a good. Yeah, it's a good thing for you and me. But, but will it stay there, Mark? No, of course not. No, no, not forever. And if we were smart, we would have bought it when it when it dipped there, right? <laughs> yeah. Ride the wave. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on. So, Jaime, you've got something here from Gluon.
2: Yeah, it, it's. Um, I'm actually interested in seeing Mark's uh, sort of take on. This because I sort of get the gist a little bit as to why this is an interesting thing, but uh, I don't have experience in this area, so it's really hard for me to say, you know, oh yeah, this is you know, a huge savings. Uh, and of course, what I'm talking about is Gluon, a new library for machine learning from Amazon and Microsoft. So these two have teamed up to take on, um, you know, there are several, many, many competitors. You know, we've, we've talked about Cornell, we've talked about probably Cafe, and I guarantee we've talked about TensorFlow at some point um, on the show about using those technologies to do uh, machine learning. This one focuses on the training side, and apparently it takes a different approach. That rather than having a somewhat more of a, a static model of um, your network, you know, we have nodes and weights that describe, like, you know, what's going to be the threshold by which our criterion, by which this particular node is going to give a signal, and then the collection of these signals uh, as it propagates through will give you sort of your answer, like, is this in fact a picture of a cat? Um, Gluon claims to have something that is a bit more dynamic, and uh, apparently will take less effort to sort of deal with. In terms terms of uh, very quickly iterating on these types of things so um, it's interesting for, for several respects one in that it takes a very different approach than what I understand something like cafe or tensorflow tend to do and also the fact that it's sort of like from a company politics standpoint this is from what I can tell both Amazon and Microsoft like teaming up to try to stick a claim and not be left behind by the likes of Apple Facebook uh, and Google
0: yeah without knowing too much about it for sure it makes a lot of sense for Amazon to do this because they have plenty of computing horsepower there you uh, you know, they, they have you know with ec2 they can just ramp up virtual servers at will so it completely makes sense for them to be in in the business of training neural networks and maybe they just didn't have enough expertise so they teamed up with Microsoft to get a jump start to get there quickly I, I don't know uh, I'm also I you know I don't I didn't know anything about this until I until you just mentioned it so I don't know I'm just looking at the article now uh, where are you seeing stuff about the improved training or faster training
2: let's see here um but, where does it Describe in here. Uh, here we go. So, however, in order to achieve these optimizations, most frameworks require the developer to do some extra work, specifically by providing a formal definition of the network graph up front and then freezing the graph and then just adjusting the weights. Uh-huh. And this network de- definition can be large and complex, it means connections usually has to be constructed by hand, um, and it's hard to reuse the code between projects. And here they're sort of claiming that uh, this can be a much more dynamic um, and, and, I guess, iterative way where you won't necessarily have to be like a supreme expert to be like, oh, okay, well, clearly this is how I should set up my network given, you know, my long experience in this area. So there's, I think it's reducing the um, sort of learning curve up front. Um, mm-hmm. And the part that I'm a little bit less clear on is how um, this makes it more of like a code-like uh, bits where they say here, uh, developers who are new to machine learning will find this interface more familiar to traditional code since uh, machine learning models can be defined and manipulated just like any other data structure.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. might just be a little bit of marketing hype here but uh, I, I i don't know enough about it so yeah
1: i was quickly glancing at an article the other day and i just posted it here in the show notes about um microsoft azure and aw is growing faster than aws according to this article on cnbc um, which, well
0: uh, again that's that's not surprising at all if, if if we're talking about growth because amazon is already so big for amazon to grow 10 percent, that's a huge change where azure is a lot smaller if i'm gonna grow 11 percent, right. big of a, isn't as big of a thing so yeah you gotta be careful what those numbers, of course. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah.
2: Um, but, although, even that with that stated, uh, Microsoft's earnings report came out, and their cloud-based solutions, which granted are not all Azure-based, they do have a lot of um, Office 365, which presumably runs on Azure, but is not like, not like you're buying Azure when you buy Office 365. You're buying, you know, software as a service. Um, that's all working really well for them, has made them like insanely profitable. Um, so, bringing them out of their lull. So, uh, your point is granted that I think the the bigger hitters in this area are going to be uh, AWS. Probably is number one, Google Cloud Platform Google probably platform. somewhat yeah. far behind, but 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 not too bad in second place. And then bringing up the rear in third is is uh, Microsoft's Azure,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the IBM one is probably even way behind that.
2: Yeah, I don't think BlueMix gets quite the the play. Um, it's got an interesting uh, mix, no pun intended, of uh, features that the others don't have, which is interesting that they they focused on on certain segments. Um, but I don't think that they're quite as um, sort of fully tooled in terms of follow their offerings like AWS is. It feels like AWS just has by far the largest number of offerings. and yeah. Even if some of those offerings are a little rough, they, they seem to be there.
0: But Bluemix does have Ketura and uh, AWS still doesn't have a Swift, at least a turnkey Swift
2: mm. solution. Sure. Yeah, and w- one cool thing that Bluemix offers is the ability to run um, Docker containers through things like their cloud functions, like the Lambda um, sort of equivalent. Um, and I don't think I've seen anybody else do that. And I could be wrong, you know. Hit <laughs> us up on uh, on Twitter at Hashtag mtjc was in follow-up here. <laughs> I don't think that anybody else lets you run sort of just raw containers uh, to overcome the limitations of like, you know, what programming languages this is thing support. You know, everybody supports JavaScript through Node. Uh, some people support Python. Microsoft, of course, gives you uh, C Sharp because that's sort of like their thing. Um, IBM is the only one out there right now that offers server-side Swift as like a fully native thing. And if you wanted to do something else besides that, you could run a Docker container there. So that's some really nice flexibility. I'd like to see AWS us provide and the others as well mm-hmm. by the way astros won the world series oh that just happened okay
0: yeah i got something to pop up to tell me that Of course, by the time this plays it'll be very old
1: news
2: yeah, i didn't even know the world series was on right now <laughs> oh man the, the game uh, just prior was was amazing
1: yeah I, I mean i did hear that i did hear that, that that apparently it's like an unbelievable series or blah 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 but i i wasn't even aware that the world series was was going on right now
0: if the blue jays aren't in it you're not interested right who <laughs> <laughs> You know, well, it's like other, were,
1: the other team, other than the Maple Leafs in, in your. Yeah, yeah. The Make Believes, my dad used to call them Make Believes. <laughs> he was a Montreal Canadiens fan. Um, okay,
2: so what's next? Uh, Jaime, you got something on 11.2. Yeah, the iOS 11.2 beta, according to this article from Apple Insider, includes uh, Siri kit commands that will interact with the as yet unreleased HomePod. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was kind of interesting that, um, according to this, uh, Siri recognizes Siri recognizes SiriKit requests made on HomePod and sends those requests to the user's iOS device for processing. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, Of course, this is limited to the things that SiriKit can handle, like messaging lists and notes. Um, I think that's kind of interesting. I have been kind of wondering what the developer story was going to be for the HomePod. Um, Apple didn't talk about it at all during WWDC. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. While I would like to see a solution that's a little bit closer to what um, Alexa and Google Assistant and Cortana provide with sort of like if you've got a URL, you've got a, a web service sort of connection. But at least SiriKit gives you something. Sure, that's cool. All
1: right. Well, I guess we're at the pick per portion of the show, right? Pickorama, mm-hmm. the Pictola, Aaron Von Pickster. All right, how many you got to pick for us?
2: Yes, this is an article on 9to5Mac that is uh, 10 long press tips for Safari. That would be mobile Safari. Um, oh, cool. I would suggest folks take a quick look through this. It's not a very long article. I knew about some of these, like the you know long press on the link, and you can bring up a little sheet that says like open a new tab or share and all that stuff. Uh, some of these have... Um, oh, close all tabs. There. Oh my God. Yeah, closing all tabs, close other tabs. Uh, long Here's the one that, that, that says save my bacon because I've before realizing this, I've you know, when I've gone in and like, oh no, I accidentally closed that, that tab like a dummy. How am I going to get it? Well, I guess I better open a new tab and then go into the history and find it. Right. Don't right. waste your time doing that. Long press on the add tab button and it will bring up your recently closed tabs. Oh, the nice. Safari has the little keystroke command to do that. This isn't quite the same as a keystroke, but it's pretty close. That one alone right there will, will, will save you time and effort. Cool. Uh, the other one I like yeah. is the long pressing on the favorites icons and deleting them and, re- and moving those around. Like, it's not an obvious thing to me that you could do that. And there were some... Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So I've, I've done that.
1: There's some I got in there. I haven't even touched in a long time.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm just there cluttering up my new tab screen. Yeah. yeah, exactly.
1: Nice. Yeah, I knew about the read one. What's this refresh? I knew about that one. Oh, I'll oh, press this request desktop site. Nice. Huh. Yeah,
2: every once in a while, i have to use request desktop site for something like The Verge, where I want to read the comments, and oh, okay, yes, right. I know um, I probably shouldn't. It probably hurts my life to do no. that, but yeah, occasionally yeah. I want to read the comments, and their mobile view just does not show up comments. It does not display the comments sometimes, and right, I have right. to load the desktop site. That
1: yeah, probably slows the, slows the loading down. Long press an image, oh, yeah, I've, I've long pressed images many times. And I often save images for retweeting and stuff like that. Cool, that's nice. All right, um, so my tip is kind of um, we've been talking about you know getting and just Swift and learning Swift and all this kind of stuff and and one of the tips I picked up from the t- instructor at the Big Nerd Ranch, Mikey, um, was that uh, you can turn off live errors or show live errors in Xcode. I'm not sure if this is specific to iOS 9 or not, but under the general tab, the very first thing there is show, show live issues. So when you're typing out your Swift and you're just you know getting the hang of it or whatever, and you get this the the angry red um, compiler warnings, and you know you're not finished writing your your block of code, so there's no need for it to start parsing your your errors and pointing them out. If you turn off the show Live issues, uh, it speeds up your ability to enter and type. And I thought of Mark in this particular case because I know you were complaining. I think some of the sessions you and I have worked together, or even just yourself, you said that sometimes the the live errors get in the way because they're not really accurate in, mm-hmm. until you have finished writing the whole block, right? Yep. Yeah. So and so this will hang around for a few seconds too. Yeah. So this this will speed up your day, and and uh, especially if you're an experienced coder like Mark, and and you know you just find that these these errors get in the way and just slow everything down. Um, by all means you know if you're if you're a new developer and you're just learning and you might want to have all that kind of hinting stuff left on but uh, if you've been around the block a few times um, you know you fi- might find this intrusive and, and cumbersome right so so this is a handy tip for people um, such as ourselves who want to turn that kind of stuff off until you're you know you can always when you if you want to see if you if you're confident enough to wait until you see the uh, the compile error when you build because you're going to get it anyway right if you've made a mistake it's mm-hmm. a handy little Xcode speedy up tip um, the Thing too is that you left me with a question for the instructor, and that was I got to scroll back in our in our. Oh yeah. The, you asked <laughs> you asked why in in Xcode four or sorry in Swift four the insistence to have at objc um, key or decoration keyword whatever you want to call it um, added to the code all over the place, and um, his answer was and it was speculative, too because he's not def- this is not a definitive answer, but his idea his thought was. It's kind of like the ex- escaping, uh, comment on a closure. It's there for documentation purposes, right? So you know, the compiler knows that, that w- whether something's going to be usable in Objective C or not in an Objective C class or whatever. But, but you as a developer or the, the guy coming after you may not know that. And so that's why he believes that, that in Swift four, they've made, and then maybe in the, the Swift, um, you know, Greg's probably shaking his fist at the phone right now because he's, he's read all the changes in Swift four and he got to memorize and probably got tattoos on his Back or something? I don't know. But, um, <laughs>
2: Erasable tattoos?
1: I hope. <laughs> yeah. So,
0: so when I asked that question, it was yeah. kind of in a you know, it was kind of being a little bit
1: the heat of the moment. Yeah,
0: there. yeah, because I had just that day dealt with doing a Swift more migration. Had to, I had to hack through a bunch of those. Uh, but according to the Swift documentation, what's actually going on here is that in Swift three, uh, well, so the the at object uh, objc keyword or whatever it is 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 has always been technically required to tell the Swift compiler that this is a thing that comes from Object C. Right. You handle it that way. But in Swift 3 and earlier, uh, they put in this uh, inference. So the compiler would infer where that belonged. And, right. And so you wouldn't have to put it in there. And apparently that was a performance hit in compiling. Oh. So that's what the claim is. So, so by forcing you to do it manually uh, and you relieve the burden on the compiler to have to infer it and therefore Swift compiler piling should be faster that's that's the argument
1: right, right I can buy right. that but
0: it was still a pain to do it the first time
1: <laughs> yeah and so what about the, uh, his his explanation of the um, escaping keyword like on a closure that that uh, it's going to like normally closure would uh, contain everything that's happening within the closure that's the whole idea of the definition of closure right but the idea of an escaping one is that the return could come back later on after the closure has been yeah well, I right? think that's a, that's a memory management issue right because right, yeah. if, the, if the closure is a escaping
0: then you have to you have to keep it around longer than right it's not, oh I see yeah, or yeah, it's yeah. context at least you have to keep its context around uh, now uh, you know it's the same kind of thing where if the compiler knows enough to suggest it to you in an annoying way that it does every single time <laughs> that you write a closure right,
1: right? yeah yeah uh,
0: if, it, if it knows that beforehand then why can't it know it at compile time and do it for you uh, I, that I don't
1: well know. so again he in this case he was saying this is also for for uh, a way of sort of marking that this is uh Meant to not be dismissed when the closure finishes, right? But it's going to stick around for a while, like you said, right? Yeah. Um, Like, how would I know coming? But after you, if I'm following along in your code later on, right, Uh, that that's meant to stick around, right? Sure. But apparently, the compiler would, as you said, would already know, right? Because it can infer that kind of stuff. Stuff. Well, yeah. I mean, it it pops up that that's one of the fastest things that
0: it that it you know throws up an error about.
1: Well, it won't do it anymore if you uncheck that live error thing, right?
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, (laughs) I might (laughs) have to try that out because while I can appreciate what the Live issues is trying to do. I feel like it's not tuned quite as well anymore. Um, it sort of feels like, you know, if you were in a yeah. word processor and it's like, oh, that's not grammatically correct. Like, dude, I haven't finished writing the sentence. Like, yeah, should at least yeah, wait yeah. till I put some, you know, like a period or something somewhere before you start telling me it's wrong. It's like, obviously, I'm not done. It's not going to be grammatically correct until then. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 yeah it's like watching somebody watching you over your shoulder as you're typing and you, and you mistype something and you know you can fix it, but you just want to get the thought out first, right? And go back and fix the typo in mid sentence. Yeah, <laughs> interesting stuff. So that's uh, my picks or my tips. My tips, tip picks. So I guess that's it for another week. So hey, hi, if people want to get in touch with you on the interwebs, where would they go to? I'm on Twitter. Is at dev hair and Mark. if People want to write you a cursive letter
2: or drop you an email. Uh, Mark R at Smapsoft.com. All right, not gonna get the surface address out. Okay, fine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I really hope somebody sends you like an encrypted email too. You know, I remember when that was like a hot thing, like a digital signature.
1: Oh yeah. Well, you know, I, I tried to send him one, but apparently. I I didn't sign it properly. I'm going to look. I, yeah, see I got it. the email in plain text.
2: Yeah, well it's cuz I didn't have your
1: public key, man. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. here you go. i yeah. learn. Um yeah, so as I said before, I am Tim Mitra T I M M I T R A on the Twitter machine is how to find me. And uh, I guess until next week we'll talk to you later. Bye. 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 If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at mtjc If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskMTJC. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com
0: slash mtjc. You can find details on how to help us out on our website at mtjc.fm slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.
1: Some of us will have an iPhone next week, hopefully. So yeah, so the thing about Best Buy is, is they there's a Best Buy that's close to my office, or so like so it's between me and and where I where I work, right? Um, which would have been super convenient for them to choose that as the delivery place. But I thought they were shipping it to my house. That's what they kind of they asked me for my home address and my shipping address, and you would think that's where they're going to ship the phone to, right? But instead, they picked a, a store that's like technically close to my house in terms of driving distance, but since I don't drive, it's not convenient. Right for I mean I can get the car and all that kind of stuff, but I have to you know so I probably have to work from home on Friday and, and go pick it up at some point during the day. But talk about annoying, right? And then I called them the other day and I sort of said, "Can you change the shipping address?" And then I realized after I got off the phone with them, Apple doesn't change shipping addresses once they've got them, right? So like distribution addresses, I should say, right? Yeah. Oh my
0: so god, you have to wait till Saturday. I
1: know I have to wait Friday like an Thursday? extra hour or two. Wow, I know. I might, <laughs> might, yeah, I might not. Might not. We have to go to the cottage and close the cottage. You know. Uh, for the winter, so I may not actually even be able to go this weekend to get it. So, oh, the horror, yeah.
2: Tim! If, if mass transit is not going to work for you, why don't you just take an Uber?
1: Uber? I don't have an Uber account anymore. Was that a shot by me? I mean, I'd tell you Oops. to take a Lyft, but
2: I don't think Lyft is available in Toronto. No,
1: we don't. We don't have Lyft here. And yeah, and, and I canceled my Uber account in a fit of rage. Why
2: don't you pay part? a task guy to go pick it up for you. TaskRabbit? Ooh, that's an interesting
1: idea. Do they have that here? I wonder. Oh. Can he do that? Like, will they? Well, I, I, I so wait. I forget. I have. I already have have a task rabbit called Carol, right? Um, and she will go get it for me if, if it's possible to do that. But yeah, I don't know if they'll, if they'll give it to her because she's not me kind of thing, right? Even though it's, it's well, no, it's not bought on the corporate one. It's bought through uh, Best Buy on the consumer version, right? And it's funny because, because they kind of, they want to get you in there and they want to, you know, try and upsell you on, oh, I guess on the Best Buy warranty or something, right? Um, but I, so I was a little leery of that. So I called Rogers yesterday and said, look, they're not going to try and change my, my sell plan or whatever because I'm on a really good, uh, Business plan, right? And um, the guy said, "No, no." I said, "On the plan you're on, there's no, there's no changes required, right?" Because I think when I bought my six, they, the the nice man at the Rogers store tried to get me to change my uh, my plan, but uh, yeah, because I've got a, because you know, I'm on a business plan that's already already one of the better plans available that's out there, and it's and it's got enough, uh, I have enough commitment on it to cover the the um, subsidized phone,
2: right? So apparently, I'm not to worry. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see when everybody gets um, these devices, start seeing. A- out in the wild.
1: Oh, that's what I wanted to ask you guys about. So have you seen, there was some sort of fur on the interwebs on Twitter the other day, yesterday, I guess, about the fact that some YouTubers have been given um, <laughs> devices in advance, I guess, just so they can do YouTube videos. Well, we should also talk about this young this young lady that got her
2: dad fired, the no logger, right? Yeah, I guess let's follow-up to last time because we, we sur- yeah. were a little surprised. Like, oh, you at least get a little stern talking to and, and did not meet expectations on your you know either, well as i said mark report. and
1: i were both surprised because we both know that you know the policy is don't do this period right and you know obviously for, i don't know what he was i guess he just he was just maybe just you know caught in a you know the, the haze of having a new device in his hand like you know we all just talked about ourselves right <laughs> you know having to have it on day one kind of thing right or being proud of his work right i guess at the end of the day too right but yeah there's the policy
0: humoring his daughter <laughs> huh? or just humoring his daughter
1: yeah and and i mean maybe he maybe he didn't like maybe like a typical dad he didn't get the whole you know this is going up on youtube as soon as she walks out right. of the building kind of thing right 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 you know um, or maybe he didn't understand the reach that she had right like mm-hmm. you know she's just a vlogger really at the end of the day oh it's, isn't it cute that my daughter makes these little videos and puts them up on youtube right mm-hmm. but not realizing that that how quickly it goes right i mean there are some ch- uh, some young bloggers who do fashion vlogs and they're quite well known they're known in the whole fashion industry everybody knows who oh, these yeah. kids are right so you know and then there's a the whole cosplay stars and stuff like that. I, I, was, I was amazed that uh, at Fan Expo, they actually had um, booths at the Fan Expo, some of these YouTube stars, right? And they're just young kids, like 20 something kids, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Jaime, you were laughing about the, the YouTubers getting the iPhones in advance. So, so what's that story about? I'm, I mean, I'm not laughing uh, about that because
2: I, I actually think it's quite sensible of Apple to do that sort of thing. Well, of course, I'm more yeah. laughing at the, the furor that has, has gone on. Yeah, assuming we're talking about the same kind of furor that I've seen where there are a lot of the angry tech nerds uh, very upset about this. And I think if I look at it from Apple's standpoint, like, what's what's the benefit of, of preaching to the choir, um, so to speak, where, you know, if you give it to the, you know, same 10 people who've been in the Apple review sort of ecosystem for a very long time, um, the people who go to their sites, like, they probably already made a decision one way or the other. Right, exactly. The yeah. best you're going to get out of it is, you know, specific, you know, nitty-gritty details, like, oh, exactly how much battery life does it have? Is it more than a, you know, they say it's more than a seven, but is it more than a plus, you know? A, a, okay. that I'm not saying that's not valuable at some standpoint, but Apple isn't going to you know gain more than like, you know, a few hundred devices at best. Whereas if they expand it to a broader audience of, you know, up and coming YouTubers, for example, they might get a whole lot more reach out of that in terms of people being like, oh yeah, well, yeah, I think I will choose that instead of a Samsung um, where people don't even know the names of the devices. They just know this is an iPhone and this is a Samsung. Like the, that's like the level of fidelity they have. Uh, that sort of person, I think, is who Apple is, is trying to target with this. Of Like, here's why this thing is great. Not, mm-hmm, oh, mm-hmm. you know, if I'm underwater and, you know, I triple tap on this thing, you know, and I have LTE off. Like, how much battery life does it have? You know, okay, like, th- th- there's like a place for that sort of uh, geek bench type thing. But it's not going to expand the market, right? It's not like when Apple sort of had to have the super faithful when it was the dark days and the company was basically... Basically going out of business now. It's a very successful company, and the biggest thing they can do is expand the number of people who say, "Holy smokes, I need to have an iPhone 10." And I think that's it. I think it's just a, a changing of the guard, just as you know the the previous guard uh, in the traditional media, like newspapers, for example, were very upset. Like, who the heck are these upstarts? This this blogger, this this dude this, was it? You know, raging fireball, whatever. like, who's that dude? Why does he even have a press credential? He's not real press. I'm real press. I work for the you know Chicago Sun right. Times. I work for the New. Yeah. Times is like why does he get an I don't? It's like well because times change. Yeah, but didn't didn't uh, I mean
1: aren't the the typical people getting the pre-release the, the review people like the Grubers and the Rene Ritchie's? Run Rene, Rene Ritchie obviously has one right because he's been tweeting about it all week right? So I differently. You know so
2: the embargo for everybody um, opened up at the same time, but not everybody right. had theirs for the same amount of time. Uh, like the
1: YouTube. Right. Oh, I
2: see. You right. Their, their preview stuff much earlier um, mm-hmm. for a very limited amount of time, and then there were people who have had devices for a while um, for the same amount of time. And then there are folks uh, like Gruber, who you mentioned, uh, who didn't get his until like, you know, a day before or something before the embargo lifted. So he didn't have the the traditional amount of time he normally has to write his uh, very well thought out, fully fleshed out review.
1: Yeah, and I I noticed that podcasters aren't considered uh, journalists in that sense either, right?
2: (laughs) (laughs) People want to expand their reach out. (laughs) (laughs) If you're you're on the Apple marketing team and you're wondering about the, uh, the number one iOS development Podcast uh, as you Oh, so what would that IT be myself. i mtjc mean? uh, and all of its hosts and friends of its hosts would surely love to have uh-huh. free release access to uh, to future devices so yeah get us up at mtjc underscore podcast
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure send send us your phones uh, no your new phones sorry not your not your phones um i wonder how we come out how do we come out now we were slipping eh? because there, there, are, there are there are more podcasts coming out I mean, we had this nice cushy number one spot for a long time but i think, I think those days are over Hang on, it ebbs and flows. How do we do podcast no, way Yeah, podcast. There's no apps menu on my iTunes um, iOS. I never did get featured by Apple. I just type in iOS and 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 the the you know the little uh, uh, suggestive uh, hints or whatever the little Ajax thing pops up as soon as I type in iOS. More than just code comes up. Yeah, I type into certainly di- for
2: iOS out. development. It, it tries to autocomplete to yeah. That's what I mean, yeah, development course. Oh wait, I was in, I wasn't if, if store, you stay the course, on. we're still number one in both episodes and. And shows with the number two showing up for me being uh, game dev by just forward.co. Hm.
1: was another guy, um, friend of Greg's, I think actually start up a new blog. Are we, are we
0: still sure that it's, it's not a context dependent,
1: right? No, I've had, I've had random people. I've asked random people around the world to try it out and they've come okay. up with the same results as us. Okay. okay. Cool. Yeah. That is a yeah. good thing
2: to, to wonder about, which is why I've, I've done the same. I've had random friends and be like, Hey, are you subscribed to podcast? No. Great. Fantastic. Try this out for me, please. Mm-hmm. Um, and unless, you know, Apple's uh, ranking algorithm is so good that it can tell, you know, yeah, my, my yeah. social graph connections through something like yeah. iMessage. Yeah. You know. Tuning it. I mean, it's a yeah, possibility. It'd be, it'd be all know? that fancy like... machine
1: learning that can't identify the faces on my photos. But yeah. um...
2: <laughs> so that's what I'm like. If it was Google or Facebook, I'd be like, yeah, uh, reasonable to assume that they are doing that when it's Apple and they, they fail to put if else statements in their code that says like, yeah. Hey, did you just order a phone? Um, maybe we yeah. realized from the time you had, some trouble. Let's not send you a marketing email. that's like, hey, iPhone tens available. It's like, no, don't yeah. shove it in my face, guys.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or or, or can't add one plus two plus three. Um, yeah. So for me, uh, iOS dev break comes up uh, ahead of us now on the uh, on iOS iOS development search. Let's
2: see what Swift. Is that doing. in the Canadian store? That's in Canada. Oh, can. Mm-hmm. I was looking the. Uh...
1: Oh, we're number. We're slipped to number five under Swift development. Mm-hmm. Oh, don't even list any of our uh, our episodes here. So who's I. Oh, Evan K. Stone. Who's that? That's the guy I was talking about. Buddy of Greg's. I'm just, I'm just throwing Greg under the bus randomly. I have no idea if he even knows this guy. You, know, you guys heard of Evan K. Stone before?
2: That name sounds familiar.
1: Yeah, Dev Break? He's got 14 episodes. Oh, you know why? Because his his uh, his thing is iOS and Swift Development News Tips and Advice is his subline. Yeah, maybe we should start changing our
2: subline. Oh, iOS Dev Break. Yeah. I, oops. Did I just subscribe? No, okay. I didn't. Um, <laughs> no, because it, it, it's not smart enough to do it in Overcast is doing it through the Apple Podcast app.
1: Yeah, we should change our podcast about iOS and iOS X development we've got here. We should change it to iOS and Swift, (laughs) right? Yeah. Yeah, Let's do that right now.
2: Throw in keywords like machine learning. Yeah. Dr. Mark Rubin. There we go. We need more clickbaity titles. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if we should be... Uh, harder or softer on Swift in order to manipulate the eyeballs, mm-hmm. the ear ear holes, ear holes. Yeah, you know, it was, wait. So t- traditionally for for online marketing, you, we talk about eyeballs. What the heck do they talk about for podcasts? Ear holes.
1: Yeah, I don't, know. <laughs> I don't know. Let's let's steal back our
2: ranking from this
1: guy. What has he got here? iOS and Swift development use tips and advice. Huh? So, so, he's it's the same podcast
2: we're doing. <laughs> it's it's a little different. I've, I've listened to the show and it, it goes a little bit more Cody. Okay, okay. Like let me see what was it was
1: all right kitties it's my bedtime okay i gotta go finish watching episode five of uh that show what's it called um mr robot no the other one um stranger, stranger things. things yeah hmm. i gotta catch up to you so we can talk about it next week on podcast you, sure you think I'm you're wondering. gonna go see uh, blade runner
2: this weekend i'm gonna try to shoot for it all right see if i can help it break even <laughs> Break even. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bring a bunch of friends. So the numbers are hard. So apparently it was around 200-ish million that it's pulled in for all of its talk oh, really? Um oh, International yeah. and, well, I guess domestic to us is international to you. Um, but the rule of thumb is you want to have like twice as much to cover uh, marketing in order to break even. So,
1: No, oh, that's true. It's right? definitely yeah. not
2: going to break even. Um, and for it to be worth it, you need not two, but like three or four times as much. Um, yeah, yeah. Pull in.
1: yeah. Well, again, I think it's one of these this these kind of movies that's like going to have a long tail,
2: like the original one did, right? You know what I mean? Like it's going to be uh... it's going to have to do well on like DVD sales, yeah. and it's going to have to do well on oh, the Netflix, yeah, the rights, like a, like a Netflix kind of uh, yeah. streaming rights. Um, otherwise, I still think it's a huge missed opportunity that it didn't have like a Taco Bell collector's edition cup or something that yeah. buy that has you know each one of the actors' faces on it or something like the the normal stuff you would normally see with a large release like that
1: sure sure yeah all right guys talk to you later talk right. to you later